So welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast. This is where we explore the new game-changing understanding that can unlock new levels of performance, resourcefulness, and well-being in the workplace. Join us if you want to be part of the new breed of leaders in business. Join us if you're fed up with the conventional echo chamber. And join us if you want to be part of the new revolution in understanding how the mind works and recognize that we are more than just our psychology and that that can lead to better results. Hello and welcome to the Quality of Mind Transforming Business podcast series. And welcome to today's episode where I've got a lovely conversation lined up with a good friend and colleague of mine, Joel Drasner. Who, who lives over in the lovely place of California. Joel, welcome to the show. Great pleasure to be back with you, Piers. Although so, nobody Joel, knows that, that we're back. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, and that, well that, that therein tells the story of this episode. So listeners, let you know a little secret. Joel and I report, recorded a podcast a couple of months ago. And on listening back, we realized it was, for us, a lovely, lovely conversation that went on for about an hour and a half, two hours. But we thought, do you know what? We're going to lose listeners if we do that. So we've set ourselves a new task, which is to be to record again and to try and be really succinct and tight to give you a, a more compactive yet still rich version of our conversation, which might be about even different things altogether. But our attempt today is to be really succinct and tight so that you get to enjoy it in an immersive yet compact way. So we're going to call each other out, Joel, if we start rambling and getting too segued into other things. Is that okay? Are you, are you up for this? It is a challenge. I'll try to overcome my shyness and, and call you out should I feel it's warranted. Yes, yes, please. Joel, can you just give listeners a minute about your background and, and how come you're in the same field that I am? Just give listeners just a little minute about you, if you can. Oh, I'll try to stretch it to a minute, but I, I'm working in the States as what I've, for lack of a better term, called a sustainable happiness coach. Um, just pointing people to the same understanding that you and I have been delving into these past several years and experiencing the fruits of profound awakening happiness. I can't speak for you, but that's my experience. And, and it's come after a lifetime of uh, what seemed like a journey toward finding this and doing other things along the way. I've, I've, I've had a lot of professions. I've worked in advertising as a commercial writer. I, I was the editor of Buddhist publications for several decades. I was a freelance editor, which I still continue to do on books and stuff. But along the way, I discovered a few things that opened the aperture to innate happiness. And it also had an accompanying desire to share it with others to try to end suffering. So whatever it is that I do, it's in that realm. Brilliant. And um, I, I love listening to you talk, Joel, and, and, and you're a writer as well. So it's, it's, it's wonderful. And what we thought we were going to talk about today, listeners, was looking at what we're all up to in this big rat race of the world that we're in, particularly in organizations, because that, that's the aim of this show, is how we're often looking for stability and safety in the wrong places and how we're trying to search for security, fulfillment, success 
and we're trying, 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 and it doesn't always work. And how come? And I think Joel summed it up really nicely just earlier when he said the folly of seeking stability in a world made of instability and how we then hinge and um, attach our happiness and sense of worth to something that in the wrong place. So that's what we wanted to talk about. And as a little way into that, to make that a little more practical to people, I wanted just to start and say something about the current trend where organizations are trying to improve the amount of psychological safety that exists in organizations. And I thought we might use that, Joel, as a uh, stepping off point uh, to talk about the more fundamental. Because what I see organizations are doing, and it's well well intended, it's really nicely intended, is, is that they want people to be able to come into the workspace and talk about things that they normally censor and shackle themselves from. So they want to talk about the fact that maybe they're not feeling heard, they're feeling vulnerable, maybe they've got something going on in their home life, maybe they're going through a divorce, maybe they're struggling with something, they're feeling bullied or, or harassed, et cetera, et cetera. And people have talked about how they don't feel like they can do that in the workplace. So the idea was, which has become popular now, is to create more of a feeling of psychological safety so that you can be who you want to be in the workplace without fear of um, being judged for that or being marked down for that or, or whatever it might be. Now, as I say, great intention behind that. But for me, it's a symptom of a misunderstanding that we're going to be pointing. I'm not saying here we shouldn't be encouraging people to speak their mind in organizations and feel safe about that. That's not what I'm saying at all. The bit I want to point to is the fact that people feel they can't say that is a symptom of something else. It's not just a symptom of organizational culture. It's a symptom of a misunderstanding about who we are and, and, and what's foundational. Joel, does that make a little bit of sense from what you're listening to? Yes, it, it does. It, <laughs> it, made, it made wonderful sense. It, I think I think it's a great place to start. Yeah, a lot a lot of things, even in your succinct description of that, a lot of stuff just hit me just as I was listening to it. And, and one of the things that hit me, because I, I, I don't work a lot in, in that area. I kind mm. of work one-on-one with people who are just, you know, struggling with more close to home sort of stuff but it occurs to me that it's very possible that all of the people who are with noble intention trying to open up this avenue so that their employees employees of their institution can feel psychological safety may very well likely be struggling with the same misunderstanding that the people they're trying to help and that their possible remedy for it may just be um, lost in the, in the morass of confusion and might even possibly exacerbate what's, what's inspiring the seeming lack of safety in the people they're trying to help. Yeah. Yes. Let, let's get into that. So what is it that we're, we're pointing to when we say people are misunderstanding and we're saying it's a symptom of misunderstanding? What are we saying in succinct terms is the misunderstanding? Um, it, as you and I have discussed in the past, not just amongst 
us, but with other people as we've been exploring this. The, the one thing we've likely hit on is, is that if you, you ask anybody what it is that they want to do in life, on any level, and you drill down underneath whatever it is that they express is the thing that they want to have happen, you're likely to get that the underlying motivation is happiness. They imagine yeah. a certain level of happiness they're going to have by accomplishing, acquiring, or resolving something in life. But there's a quality to that happiness that they're after that could also be determined stability, or as you say across the pond, stability. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forgive me, I, I'm an American, so I'll probably say stability, but we're talking about the same thing. Because no, nobody wants like a, you know, brief periods of giddiness or elation with a roller coaster ride of not elation, elation. What we want is a is a consistent level that's absent of the disturbance of our peace. Yeah, peace of mind. Peace. Yeah. And and so and so we're seeking that virtually in every single thing that we do. Every every choice that we seemingly make is guided by, oh, there's a point B when when this action is carried out that will in some way give me more units of that peaceful happiness yeah. that I want. Because if I knew I was going to get the opposite, there's no way I would rationally justify doing what I'm doing. So everybody is an expert on wanting <laughs> that stability. Yeah, and, and so so everything that that everybody does is kind of, kind of pointed to that, and yet what we don't see is that the very nature of all the objects and avenues towards those objects that we participate in is made of things that are unstable on on any level we look at it, whether it's in the physical realm or in the how do we even know those things exist realm? <laughs> yeah. So whatever we seek to get peace and well-being in the external world or the internal world, if I just want to call it that. So the external world with things and cars and houses and relationships or in the internal world of having nice thoughts or whatever it is. Both of those things, places that we look, the internal world or the external world are fundamentally unstable because they come and go yeah even even say say we clearly define a physical object that for some reason everybody in our purview our families our our society agree that if you can have this object you will then have happiness but even the perception of that object isn't stable yeah Yes. And, and that's it, isn't it? So anything that we perceive, whether you call it the inside world or the outside world, comes and goes. Yes. By its nature. Yeah. Time, space, everything comes and goes if it's within perception, thought, feeling, sensation. Exactly. And, and, and yet, as you're describing that, and many of our listeners are are adding probably is except for one thing that never comes and goes 
And if something never comes and goes while everything else comes and goes, to me, that's probably the most solid definition of stability that there is. So what is it that doesn't come and go? That's the question. Yeah. Listeners call us at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we do a poll. Well, what is it that never comes and goes? This is something we've been exploring for we, the last few years. We'd love years. to know. We would love to know. Yes. But what, what, um, how would you describe the thing that doesn't come and go? It's a knowing presence, intelligence, whatever that is aware of everything that comes and goes. As, as this one teacher we like to listen to, Rupert Spira says, everything that appears has to appear within something. E even if it's a vast empty nothingness, it appears within a vast empty nothingness. So all of these things that come and go have to be coming and going within something. Mm -hmm. and, and that something is... And, and, and I know this word has has layers of meaning, but it, it's knowing, or or it's the consciousness might be another word for it. No, there, there there's a through line from every from from the earliest image we could remember seeing through all the images we've seen up till the image we're seeing now. Well, every one of those images has changed and are still changing because our eyeballs are changing positions and we're blinking and, and, and the atoms and the things that we're looking at are changing. There's been no break in that which knows yeah. any of those images. You can map that over onto all your other senses, the sounds you've heard, the, the smells and tastes and textures you've touched and pains and other sensations you've had in your body. There's been this never broken for a nanosecond, knowing awareness of all of these things. It's the only, it's the only thing that we've been able to point ourselves to seeing that itself doesn't come and go. If that came and went, there would have to be something that recognized that that came and went. Exactly. And I think it's, it's, it's such an interesting inquiry that because what you're pointing to, Joel, is that Everything that we've thought or felt or sensed has come and gone. The content of it is constantly changing. The one thing that doesn't change is the fact that, that there's an awareness of it. Yeah. And if that awareness of it came and went, there'd have to be something before that that was aware of it, the thing coming and going. But let me just ask a devil's advocate question then. So we've got a listener who's curious and they're saying, well, okay, what about deep sleep when i'm in deep sleep it all goes yeah yeah and and that that question does come up a lot and and not really to try to dodge the question but but even for each person who asks that it, it would help to get a granular granular description from them of what the it is that's disappearing yeah because for some people it's a different it's a different sort of thing i'm i'm still in my in my thinking sometimes exploring this as well but 
an explanation that I've heard that makes sense to me is that in deep sleep, thought is not present. So coming out of deep sleep, now out of deep sleep, using thought, I can't find thought where it wasn't present. So it seems like there's a gap. Yeah. But I would ask that person to consider that the awareness is unbroken. But there's no, there was no content that can be referred to. Because it, because if you, if you went away and came back, where, where did you go and where did you, to what did you come back to? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to just use the lovely phrase that, that Rupert uses that really touched me is it's not, you know, deep sleep is not the absence of awareness. It's the awareness of absence. So what actually, there's nothing in the content to be aware of the screens off if you want to call it that there's nothing on the tv which look so it looks like awareness itself is gone no but that's what awareness is when there's nothing in the conceptual finite mind there's just a nothing yeah so it's it's the awareness is still there there's just nothing to be aware of because there's no thought and, and and conception which why it would appear like it's gone the it being you know what we see and hear and feel and all that kind of stuff but it hasn't yeah. actually so deep sleep actually reinforced in my mind is, is one of the easiest ways to see what we're on about here because the content goes yet something's still there not something thought can find but there's something still there because when we wake up in the morning from our deep sleep we have this vague recollection that there's a that I had a good sleep, and there was a so there's some and and, the, and we can wake up to an alarm clock. We'll wake, we'll wake up if the house is on fire. So there's something still there. Not everything disappears. Yeah. Just a screen of perception turns off. Yeah. <sighs> Not, not to go too far into the weeds of this metaphor that, again, Rupert Spira uses a lot about a screen and the movies yeah. that play on it. And even, even, ex, even expressing here might not exactly answer the question for the reader, but it might give them a, an avenue for their own contemplation. Inquiry, yeah. Okay. So to ask about deep sleep is kind of like like say I was watching the latest episode of Emily in Paris on Netflix <laughs> and it was late and I got tired and I turned it off and, and then I turned it back on in the morning to catch up because I was so you know deeply engrossed in what was going to happen to Emily's next romantic uh, interlude and, and, and Emily's inquiring you know oh well where did the screen go while I was not in my in my intro it's, it's it's like it's like the movie asking you know is is the screen really there yeah yeah the the, the, the character in the movie 
can't really ask. Yeah. It, it'd be yeah. like if, if you're if you're an actor playing a you know, the actor can't ask the the character can't ask the actor, hey, what do you have for lunch? It, it doesn't work. So, okay, now I've just spotted, we, we, I'm going to pull us up now and put Ramble Alert on because we, we're, we're going off. So let, let, <laughs> so I, I was, I was do, thinking right? the same thing and I, I think I have a tie-in though to pull, to pull that back. Brilliant, go doing. for it, go for it, Joel. Okay, so the answer to the deep sleep question is, is the same answer as to how to find stability it, it's it's in the knowing of what is it that constitutes the us that's that's looking for stability or the us that believes it's a contiguous thing that gets lost in deep sleep it's it's the same yeah you know you know if we resolve e even a shred of clarity about i don't know if i'm using words correctly any longer if we, if we, if we get even just a glimmer of the nature of of who we really are then that goes a long way to, to mitigating some of those questions. Right. So let, let's just go back into our theme. So what we were saying, there's a, there's a misunderstanding about where we seek our peace and contentment yeah. and well-being. And we tend, and what we're saying is that we look for it in the things that come and go in objects that might be, might be, you know, physical objects, or it might be in states of mind or whatever. And we're saying those things in, you know, come and go by de definition that's what they are so you can't find yeah. stability and peace in something that comes and goes the only thing that doesn't come and go is the knowing of or the capacity for awareness for those feelings sensations perceptions and that's where we're saying we need to be looking or that, that that's what's there but we're looking in the wrong place so th this is what our, our sort of, sort of i'm sort of summarizing our theme so far and therefore once we spot that innocent mistake there's a load of implications to that because we right. wouldn't start to base everything on the stuff that comes and goes we'd lean more into what is the only thing that's consistent and eternal and and, and as we're recognizing more and more that there's a seemingly world filled with things that come and go and then there's the knowing of those things in, in the area of that which comes and goes is a conception about who we are. Yes, a self, a me, yeah. A, a self, a me, an, an, an object powered by a cluster of current thinking usually that views it, that has its sense of who it is <clears throat> as a relational effect of, of all the other things that, that come and go. And, and, the, and the solid belief in that is the very source of all the instability that we feel. Yeah, and, and it's not, what, 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 see, what's interesting is that we're not saying there isn't a, a utilitarian functional usefulness in that apparent self. Agreed. Not when we're not saying the world isn't real to us. So if I'm feeling upset or angry or unstable, then that's real. It's animate. It's visceral. Right. We're just saying it's not foundationally permanent and true. So to believe it is something that's fundamental and true is the mistake, not the fact it happens. 
it, 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 the, the, the experience of it is an actual experience. Yes. But, but what it, what we thought that experience to be constituted of is not what we thought it was. (laughs) Yes. It's not made of what we thought it was made of. And therefore, once we see that there's different implications for how we would navigate whatever turns up. I, I like how you said it better. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the symptoms of that is seeking stability, happiness, well-being, contentment in, in, in it. Because if you, if you know that's not, it doesn't live there, you wouldn't look there. It'd be really, really silly to look there. Yeah. And you wouldn't have to keep it safe in the way that we think we have to keep it safe because it can't really be damaged because it doesn't exist as a entity anyway. It can appear like that though. Yeah. And, and, and the illusion that it appears like is really well produced. The special effects department do a tremendous job. It in feels and creating that and, yeah. illusion, you know, and, and one of the ways that you and I both know that we start to lessen the solidity of that illusion is by doing some inquiry like, oh, well, where am the, where, where is the I that knows these perceptions, sensations, and thoughts located? Can, can it be found in a body part as, as any? So you're talking now about this thing that doesn't change, the thing that is the knowing of, where is that located? That could be a question yeah. someone might have. Yeah. Because, because if it's in a body, then already it doesn't have the stability that we were alluding to because mm. we know bodies appear and disappear like all other objects. But, but we, we, we could do a, even a quick check and, and we go, oh, but the only... The only knowing of a body that I have is, you know, if, if I'm sighted, I, I could look and see a percentage of a physical body. Yeah, I can see and my the, hands and my feet and my whatever. Yeah, right. I can't see the back of me, but I can see something. Yeah. Right. The, then it, it, if, I, if I move off of the, the sight, if I close my eyes or, or pay attention to other things, then the only other evidence that I have a body are physical sensations and thoughts that come and go about yeah. what I see, see and feel. So absent those portals, perception, sensation, and thought, what, what other permanent evidence do I have of body mm. there, well there's, this un, there's it's this only through perception isn't it yeah and sensation which is the same as with every other thing that i know mm. it's in the same it, category it, as those things i i can't find one molecule of anything or one cell or one 
one pixel of anything that I don't have an experience of outside these three portals of perceiving, sensing, or thinking. So let me play devil's advocate. How about if someone said, well, that's just a, a tautology, you know, of course that's the case because by definition yeah. that's the case. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. That's fine. But, but I just yesterday I was in conversation with a friend who I discuss these matters with a lot. And she was hinting at, she says, you know, I love these conversations, but every once in a while I, I just find it hard to believe that I'm just this aware presence. Mm. You know, how, how can, how can I mitigate that? Or how can I handle that? Which I think is a similar question to what you're asking. And what occurred to me to ask her then was, okay, but what is it that's aware of your, not sure if you believe it, Mm -hmm. what 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 is it that's aware of the question is this just a tautology mm. is that a is that a different you than other things you've seen done thought about or, or is, is that the same you that entertains all of your other thoughts yeah and do you know what i like about that is you take it from because I was asking a conceptual question from a logical mind, which is, well, blah, 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 blah tautology. Yeah. And you take the question, which some people love and some people hate, you take it into a direct experience question, an inquiry yeah. question, which is, hold on. Let's not get into theories here about what that is and what that isn't. Just as in direct experience and inquiry, which is from the spaces of what we can perceive and see and feel, you know, the thing, the thing that knows about the question about tautology, is it different to anything else? No. Yeah, because, because any concept, like all other objects, comes and goes, while the capacity for endless more concepts remains. The, the space within which endless more concepts will so, 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 so let, let me just go back to this though, because listeners might be going, well, that you, you just dodged the question massively. You just done a stupid inquiry question. But the reason why <laughs> in our work, we do that. And I, clients of mine will probably know, well, why does he keep going back there? Is for a very important reason, because the mind seems to be conditioned to jump to the conceptual. That's just where school's taken us, society's taken us, the workplace has taken us. And we're trying to ask people to look somewhere else or, or before, you want to call it, which is to direct experience. So what do we actually, what can we actually tell from direct experience rather than what we think we've learned? And to the bit that goes before the content of our question conceptually to the mechanism of it, if you want to call it that. And that's the bit that's, that's not inquired into. So that's why yeah. we do it. This isn't an exact analogy and it, and it may come out totally stupid. So I'll, I'll, I'll risk doing it anyways. But it, in a way, it's kind of like saying, well, yeah, water seems what all of us would call wet. 
but explain exactly how you're certain that it's wet. Yeah. Because I'm not sure that 100% I could say the water is wet. And, and then I point into the fact that no matter what their concept of it is, it's still wet. And they would say, oh, well, you just dodged the question. I mean, ultimately, on one level, it's going to seem like it's a question dodge. And, and, and I agree. If somebody came at me that way, I, I might have the exact same reactivity to it. But even that reactivity doesn't change the fact that my most solid conception is, is an object that's appeared within something. Yeah. No matter what we arrive at through inquiry, whether it's as truthful as we could all agree it is, or it's controversial with lots of different opinions about it, all of that is still appearing within some ultimate one thing. So let, let's get back to it then. What is the big deal? I'm playing uh, the listener here. What's the big deal about us recognizing this, the permanence, the stability of this thing that knows awareness? knows what's in awareness what's the big deal about that what's the prize there yeah great great question and a really challenging question for two guys who are trying to rein it in <laughs> well i'm trying to make it practical for people going yeah, no 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 okay but it's so 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 off the bat two things come to mind one is that if if we start to have a felt understanding of that very rationally and naturally a lot of what we've been heretofore seeking in the world stability will will just fall off of our yeah and and likely for most of us when that happens there's going to be a visceral sense of relief of some kind yeah that, yeah. that certainly was, certainly was my experience more, more peace on the inside and less conflict on the outside yeah yeah that that's that yeah provisionally speaking after that yes and and then another thing is and it's related if you get if even in conversation you get even just the slightest glimmer of the fact that you're this unimpacted knowing presence of everything that you experience. I throw the question to you, do you, do you feel less stable or more stable? Do you mm. feel, do you, do you get a sense of peace that's there behind your, behind the objects of the experience that you're aware of? Or do you feel less peace and and as you answer that not as a thought as you as you feel into the answer of that you're the question you just asked will likely mm. greatly disappear 
Joel, I edit this bit out. So I think the, one of the key things I'm hearing you say there, Joel, is the evidence that we all can access of our own experience, sensing, feeling of what you may not know what it's called in the language we're using, but, you know, listeners, the times when you've just had a sense of peace and contentment and love and whatever you else you want to label it. We've all had moments of that. Sometimes we've had bigger moments. Sometimes they're very fleeting. Sometimes they feel like they're <laughs> a long time apart, but we've all had moments of that. And that's universal for every single one of us. We've had moments of, so, if you just lean into that for a moment, that's what we're saying is on offer. And we're not saying it's only on offer for, for five minutes on a Sunday afternoon when you're having a beautiful walk in the park or looking at the sunset or the moon or looking into your lover's eyes. We're saying that is available for you more of the time in anything, whilst anything's turning up on the screen of perception in, in the internal or external world. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and if, you, if you have even a shred of experience of what it is you're just talking about, then, then your question actually turns into, um, what has my search for stability got to do with knowing this stable peace that's behind yeah. all of my experience? Yeah, and, which and comes back to what we said question. at the beginning, that, that we kind of know it's there, this lovely sense of peace and well-being we've kind of all got a sense it's there and we're just looking in the wrong place yeah i know we we come back to quoting rupert a lot because we we just enjoy how he points mm. to things but he says it's kind of like it's kind of like we're walking around our house looking for our eyes yeah yeah and the system is designed to hoodwink us. Well, it doesn't actually. It's just we, we, we miss we miss the signals. So, because one thing people might have been earlier on when we were talking about psychological safety and what happens in the world, people might go, "Yeah, but a lot of it feels really uncomfortable. I, I have feelings I don't like: isolation, or judgment, or depression, or frustration, or anger, or separation." when I don't feel psychologically safe. So people might be going, it's all right for you to say what you're saying, but it feels very viscerally not nice. So how can you say, oh, it just comes and goes, blah, blah, blah. I don't want it to come and go if it's going to feel that horrible. People might say that. Yeah. And I, I think that's, again, another symptom of the misunderstanding because all those, let's call them unpleasant feelings, those icky feelings that we might label with lots of different words, are actually pointing us back to this, this peace and stability that exists before. And they're actually almost like helpful indicators. We've just misunderstood what their purpose or role is in a way. Because they don't damage what's truly there. That you know, they're, they're just 
ways on the surface. So the re- they feel really unpleasant. You know, we might perceive it like that, but they're there just to point us back the other way. Yes, and and also far be it for a single conversation like we're having to be the quick permanent resolution for everybody who's suffering to now overcome it. But all the all this podcast I think at best can do is put a crack in what heretofore has been your solid belief that you stand at a distance from the safety and stability you thereafter. And, and, and once that crack opens and the light starts to get in that, oh, maybe this isn't reality, then then maybe I could talk to somebody who can help yeah. point me further through like they perfect chance for them to have a wonderful conversation with you where you would point them back to, to what's going on. You, you might even be able to give them some practical things they could do to maximize or really take advantage of those pointers back to who they are so all, all, all we're doing is that today is asking people to consider the possibility that this psychological safety that they think will be the result of a bridge from where they are to someplace they need to get to might not be necessary and that it may just be opening up to what's already there for them. And, and, and actually, let, let's put it in that context again. So, you know, people might think, well, I'd feel better if I had some proper conversations with my boss or my colleague or whatever. If I was allowed to speak my mind in the workplace, I'd feel better. Now, what we're saying is that the conversation, let's say you did have those conversations with your boss or your colleague, and then you feel better. That That's a correlation, not a causal of it you know, link. Yeah. So you have the conversations and you feel more psychologically safe and you feel bad and you go, see, it was helped by the conversations. We're saying no, not really. If you think, if you have to wait to feel better until you've, if you think, oh, well, I'll feel better once I've had the conversations, that's pointing to the come and going of something to make you feel better. And we're saying you can feel better regardless whether you've had those conversations or not. As soon as you don't yeah. self-identify with your narrative saying you need to have the conversation to feel better. Because <laughs> that's there anyway. Yeah. And, and, and we're not suggesting that there's anything wrong with, with feeling better or wanting to feel better. What, what we're really suggesting is what we all kind of know is that even if we feel better for a time, that's going to continually change. And there's going to be times where we feel what we call better and times where we feel everything else in between. But what we're adding to the understanding is that all of those feelings, just like the physical objects we encounter in life, are appearances within a vaster context of who we are that itself is uninfluenced by any of the objects or feelings that are coming and going. And, and by default, we would call that unobstructed, uninfluenced nature of it, peace, stability, happiness. That, 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 that's fundamentally who we are, irrespective of any 
feeling state that's temporarily manifested or or any right. circumstance that's that's temporarily come together that we're involved with in, in some way so, so so let's just tie up the answer to one other question in case we, we haven't been clear enough so how about as someone's listening going okay i sort of get what you mean i i i have had senses of this wonderful you know what i am before the content of my experience etc and but I, you know i want more of it how do i get more of it surely seeking things like psychological safety are getting more of it more of it now what we're saying is no the way you have more of this thing that never disappears <laughs> is a subtractive process in a way you can't do anything or be anything or have anything to get more of what is underneath yeah. that so if you want to get to the default you don't add apps to the system yeah or or, or maybe another way that way my thoughts work is hmm can, can you add more to infinity there's there's no there's nothing that needs to be added to that which is infinite so so rather than trying to add more maybe it's just a a deeper look into how extensive is that how how ex how extensive is the knowing presence within which all of this stuff is happening? Well, it's obviously all-encompassing by definition. So yeah. it's, it's universal. And I, I think, yeah, so it is everything. And, you know, I, what's just occurred to me, it's very obvious this, even in the phrase psychological safety, the, the, our psychology, our psyche is the bit that comes and goes. And it's fundamentally unstable so to try and get stability in our psychology is a complete oxymoron really and if, if we were able to have the conversation with the alien like i often use as a little experiment you know like the alien would go that bit can't be stable that bit's meant to move around that no why would you want that bit to be stable that bit can't be that's your psychology it's by definition moves around and wobbles and you know it would be it's not meant to be stable. Yeah, and, and also the, the idea that somebody has <clears throat> put a label to a defined quality, so already it has limits. Now it suggests that that's a destination. It's a, it's a place in space and time that's apart from you. And, and something is, is some piece of the whole that you thought you might have known yourself to be is lacking that place and needs to bridge the distance between me and psychological safety. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, absolutely. When you say it like that, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense, does it? And because, because, because otherwise it'd be like, oh, peers you pointed me to this ever-present, vastly expansive, possibly infinite inner peace that is my innate nature. But I'm a little concerned that I don't have psychological safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 exactly. It's, it's, 
it's, it's like giving someone a huge meal and going, well, I don't like this pea. This pea's wrong. You're like, well, what? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, it, it. I tell you what, it's funny, isn't it? Because the one one area or context of life where we're more okay with it is little tiny kids. They that their psychology can be going all over the shop in the, in the day, going from this to that to tantrum, and and we just go, oh, bless them. You know, isn't that lovely? We don't worry about them at all. You know, I'm talking 18 month old, two year, two year old kids. We like, oh yeah, it's funny. Look, he, he he or she's doing that now, crying or they laughing or angry. We don't have any problem with them being all over the shop with their psychology. But you know, but then as it gets to four, five, six, we go, is there something wrong with them? We start to doubt it even at four or five, six. And by the time you get to a teenager, we get really worried going, well, yeah, they're going for these dark episodes and all this kind of stuff. And then by adulthood, we're like, you know, so it, it's funny really how we have no tolerance for it. Yeah, and, and if we don't do it to the kids, they're getting it from their peers and the rest of yeah. society too, yeah. Yeah, but we're okay with it with little kids. Yeah. We, we, we seem to think it's fine that they can have a bit of a cry and a bit of a shout. We, we, don't, we don't, you know, we, we don't mind. We don't go and fix them. So I think it just comes back to what we're saying at the beginning is the symptom. So the requirement for stability, safety, is a symptom of this misunderstanding of what we are really and what we and, and and our seeking mechanism our protecting and seeking mechanism that's trying to find this this okayness in the in the place that comes and goes rather than in in what it is made of which is the knowing of awareness and that's what we're trying to get across and i think as as you said earlier Joel you know this conversation hopefully might just give you a little bit of a nudge to go, hmm, maybe all that seeking isn't a very good idea. Maybe all that neediness on behalf of the self isn't a good idea. Maybe there's somewhere else to lean into and then then carry on your inquiry from there. Yeah, so maybe here's something practical we could even leave listeners Yeah, let's with. do that. <clears throat> okay, so instead of now feeling like you listened to all of that, you made sense of, what we said and you now need to bulldoze out of your life all of the the natural seeking and stuff that you've had a tendency toward doing for many decades what if very gently for the fun of it maybe once or twice a day you could set your your smartphone to beep you to remind you to maybe do this you just decided for a moment to Pull maybe 10% of your attention to your seeking and other circumstances and situations. And take that 10% of your attention and put it on the space within which all of your thoughts and circumstances are arising and see what's there. Mm. Just gently play with that and see what happens. Yeah, nice. And, and I'm going to add a, a tiny stepping stone into that. Cool. is to because just as a little part of that is what i call unhook or decouple the coming and going in for feeling sensation perception 
and the knowing of it. So sometimes we don't even, it's so merged together, this knowing of awareness and the content of awareness that we can't even pull 10% of it away because they're so squished together. So even a little practical thing you can do for 10 seconds, five times a day is just pause and just spot that there's thoughts, feelings, sensations, perceptions coming and going. And without them or before them, there is a, there is a, a something, there's a knowing, there's an essence, there's a spirit of a something that isn't the stuff that comes and goes. And just practice the uncoupling for a moment. And, and even if you do that, you know, five times, the first couple of times it's a bit weird and you try and do it conceptually and you go, well, is there or isn't there? I don't know. But if you lean into it in a sensing way, it doesn't take long, does it, Joel, for, you, for people to get a sense of that? Brilliant. It's, it, yes. <clears throat> yes, I've, I've had conversations with people and suggested similar things, but that's brilliant the way you just described it. Yeah, e even the slightest crack for a few seconds in what previously had been decades of consistent misunderstanding is, is immediately undoing layers upon layers upon layers of that which has been supporting your dissatisfaction in life. Absolutely. So, Joel, do you think we've done a good job of keeping this succinct and non-rambly and non-segway-y or not? Well, up until this moment, we've done a good job of distracting my worry whether we've been doing that. Yeah, 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 brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So I'm now bringing in the bit of us that likes to monitor and evaluate. And I'm going to say we've done a better we're job not than immune. last time. We're not immune from any of this. Well, no, no, we're not. And I think we've done a better job than last time listeners if you, you know what we have got that recording if you really want to listen to that one give yourself a couple of hours but yeah so is there anything you want to anything else you want to say to kind of conclude or, or or to wrap this up joel no just a general request to to continue the conversation from time to time if it seems valuable yeah the answers are in the exploration not in any conclusions arrived at that I, i'm going to just pick on that bit because it's such a good point so you might have understood 80 percent of this or even eight percent of this that isn't the point there's no no points for understanding how, lots of this it's in the inquiry it's in the because there's something that happens when we inquire in the way that we're saying i don't know something seems to just happen for people they seem to start to get a resonance with it so even if your conceptual mind's really confused with most of what we said if something resonates behind that go into it inquire it yourself that's so key because yeah. because just the act of inquiry is an agreement with yourself to temporarily put aside your certainty that the illusion is true yeah yes Exactly, because you're pressing pause for a moment and going, huh? And that, and that's yeah. what we're asking people to do, really, because that's what you and I have stumbled into. And the dividends come. That I mean, if you don't quite know where they're going to come or how they're going to come, don't worry about that. Just inquire. Just inquire, and that, that's all we're saying. And you know, I'll extend the invitation on your behalf, Joel. If anyone wants, if you want to inquire with us on a call then ask us. I'll put the notes, Joel's details in the show notes and my own, of course, 
just do, you know happy to do that with people who are genuinely interested genuinely impressed in pressing pause and inquiring into this thing that you might get a sense of what we're pointing to but aren't quite sure yet brilliant so joel thank you so much for coming and doing this i've loved it as usual thank you so much been my honor thanks so much Piers. really appreciate you asking me brilliant so listeners as usual um get curious explore reach out if you want to know more loads of details of things to look in the show notes to get in contact with myself or joel or to find out more videos more podcasts just get curious and have a go until next time have fun exploring if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to know more check out our website at qualityofmind.biz and also feel free to reach out and leave us a review or a comment. Until next time, have fun being curious.